Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you believe that nothing is impossible with the Lord, can you clap your hands and love Him right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. There is an expectation not only here in this place, but all over the state and our world. There will be a demonstration of the spirit and power of God today. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, join me in the book of Psalms, the 113th Psalm. And uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for our first half today. I know God has given a word to Brother Shane Stoops, who's going to be preaching our second half. And I want to say to you that are here and you watching online, if you are sick or have any kind of pain, you're going to leave different than you came. Amen. Amen. If there's an emotional thing, you're going to leave healed of that today, delivered of that. If there's an addiction that's been plaguing you, you're going to walk out of here free from that today. If you need the Holy Ghost, you're going to walk out filled today. Hallelujah. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. Psalm 113, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to minister on this subject, the superlative glory of God's amazing grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we pray right now? Father, let the living word preach the written word. Cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer and write your words on our hearts. Open our understanding that we might comprehend. Bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and destroy imaginations and strongholds and any and everything that is against you. In the name of Jesus, let expectation rise and let your word be fulfilled and confirm it with signs following in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands again one more time if you believe it this morning. Glory! Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Real quickly, I want to just set the tone for this psalm. Psalm 113, along with seven other psalms, which are 114 through 119 and also 136, are psalms that the Jews would sing during the feast that they celebrated, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, etc. In fact, this psalm and the other seven were most likely what Jesus and his disciples sang on the night of the Last Supper. If you read Matthew 26, 30, you find it says, And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. This is speaking of Jesus and his disciples. Psalm 113 is a communal 
hymn of praise. That means it's not just for one person. It's not an individual hymn. It's a communal hymn. It's calling on everyone to give the highest praise to the only one who is truly worthy of such praise, who is, of course, in our time, Jesus Christ. In the psalmist's time would have been Yahweh, the highest revealed name. Amen. Psalm 113 gives us reasons to give God the highest praise as if we needed any more. But I'm going to delineate them to you as the Lord has led to me. I want to open up and tell you that, that the first part of this psalm, the first three verses of this psalm, simply declare, Hallelujah, you're worthy. Hallelujah, you're worthy. Amen. There's times I don't feel worthy. There's times you don't feel worthy. And guess what? In our state of sin and shame and guilt, we're not. And even in our forgiven state, we're not worthy because God will share His glory with no one. But because of His grace, because of His mercy, because of His healing, deliverance, etc., I am worthy through Him. Hallelujah. Verse 1, again, of Psalm 113, praise ye the Lord. That's the Hebrew word hallel, which we derive hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And again, the psalmist knew that highest name to be Yahweh. We know that highest name to be Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. In other words, 24-7, 365. Every day, in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, in the good times, in the bad times. Every day, every time, His name is worthy to be praised. And why is His name worthy? Because His name is the highest name revealed. It's higher than cancer. It's higher than diabetes. It's higher than headache and back pain. It's higher than, than sin and sickness of sin. It's higher than transgenderism. It's higher than Communism. It's higher than atheism. The name of Jesus is the highest name ever revealed. Hallelujah. One of the songs that we sing in our repertoire of songs has for its bridge these lyrics. Hallelujah, you're worthy. Hallelujah, we praise your name. Hallelujah, so worthy. Hallelujah, Lord, we lift you up. Hallelujah. The next time we sing it, I don't, I don't think we're singing it today, but the next time it gets sung, I want you to think about that and how worthy he is. Hallelujah. It, his worthiness and, and the praise that is expected for his worthiness is not predicated on how you feel. You've heard me say it before, and it bears repeating. There are two times to praise the Lord. Number one, when you feel like it. And number two, when you don't. He's worthy, period. It doesn't matter how I feel. Even if I've had the worst day of my life, He's still worthy. These first three verses exalt and extol the name of God. Hallelujah. Verse 1 tells us that God alone is worthy of all the praise and the highest praise at that. Verse 2 explains that God's name alone is eternal 
and should be praised eternally. Verse 3 instructs us to praise His name daily. Praise God. The reason we do this is because the Lord Jesus Christ is the prophetic reality of Psalm 113. And therefore Jesus is the only one qualified to be our all-sufficient Savior. I couldn't save myself. You can't save yourself. But Jesus can take the dirtiest, rottenest sinner and pick him up from the deepest depths of sin and set him free. Hallelujah. He's the only one who's endurably strong. Amen. I have lost strength at times. I have been made weak. But God, Jesus Christ, is eternal endurably strong he's entirely sincere I've been sarcastic before I've been a liar before but he's entirely sincere I'm trying to tell you why he's worthy of the highest praise he's eternally steadfast he'll never fail and he'll never forsake hallelujah hallelujah somebody say that's my Jesus You see, He's impartially merciful. He pours it out and gives it out to whomever and whosoever will. He gives it out to those that don't deserve it. I was one of them. And I've been one of them over and again. He's immutably eternal. Hallelujah. He's unchangeable. Oh, thank you, Lord. You see, the reason that he's worthy of the highest praise is he supplies strength for the weak. In fact, when I am weak, then am I strong. Why? Because I can do all things, not in my own flesh, not of my own accord, but through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. He heals the sick. Hallelujah. I felt God speak to me this morning and I prayed it. When he went to Capernaum and preached, the Bible says every person who was sick was healed and every demoniac was delivered. And I prayed that today. I said, Lord, let not one person leave sick today. Let not one person leave that uh, that needs to be delivered and don't let them leave unless they are. God, I want that kind of a revival today, not just in Omaha, but across this state and across this world. Amen. He raises the dead. He opens blind eyes. I'm not talking about just thousands of years ago in the Bible. I'm talking about right now in our time. He unstops deaf ears. He makes the lame to leap and the mute to speak. And he forgives all iniquity. I'm trying to explain to you why Jesus is the only one worthy of the highest praise. I'm trying to get you to understand that in fact the Bible says the heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. He's indescribable as much as we try, as deep as we go in the word. He truly is, if we feel like we've reached the pinnacle of all that he is, we find that there's still yet more to be described. Therefore, he's incomprehensible. We get to a place where it just blows our mind and eventually our finite brains just have to shut down because we 
truly can't understand the superlative glory of His amazing grace. Amen. He's invincible. He's never been defeated. He's not even really ever been challenged. Satan doesn't hold a candle. There's not an authority in this world that holds a candle to His power. He's invincible. He's irresistible. And He's illimitable. Oh, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't stop thinking about him. You can't get him out of your heart. You can't stop feeling him because he's everywhere. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. Somebody say, that's my Jesus. He's the only one worthy of the highest praise. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the dearest. He's the greatest. He's the highest, he's the loftiest, he's the mightiest, he's the kindest, he's the EST of any word you want to put there. He's the superlative wonder from everlasting to everlasting. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Herod couldn't kill him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Death couldn't have him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my Jesus. And that's why he alone is worthy of the highest praise. You see, when I was down, he picked me up. When I was lost, he found me. When I was broken, he mended me. When I was hurt, he healed me. When I was rejected, he accepted me. When I was hated, he loved me. When I was yet a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. He became my sin so that I could become His righteousness. That's my Jesus. And that's why He alone is worthy of the highest praise. He's worthy, watch this, regardless of who I am, what I've done, or where I've been, or my present circumstances. In fact, none of those things alter his worthiness one iota. Somebody say, that's my Jesus. Hallelujah, you're worthy. Hallelujah, we praise your name. Hallelujah, so worthy. Hallelujah, Lord, we lift you up. My God, my God, that's my Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Anybody want to thank him for what he is to you? Anybody want to take a time out for a shout? Anybody want to take a praise break and say thank you? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for joy. Oh, Jesus, you give me joy unspeakable and full of glory. You give me hope that does not disappoint. You saved me. You love me. You forgive me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm trying to preach to you about the superlative glory 
of God's amazing grace. Amen. Let me tell you also, God looks down. And I don't mean looks down in a sarcastic, rude kind of way or looks down in a, in a, in a negative way. But listen to what verses 4 through 6 say. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Somebody say He's high and mighty. See, I told you a few years ago, God is in trouble. He is. Psalm 46, God is mm, in trouble. Amen. He's with you, right? Amen. God's also high and mighty. In fact, God's the highest and mightiest. And when we think of high and mighty, we think of arrogance. God's not arrogant. He's just, he just knows who he is. He's God. And See, God has this, this thing about being God. He's God alone. And he will not share his glory with another. So he can be high and mighty if he wants to. I'm just going to let him be. But he looks down. So watch this. Who is likened to our God who dwelleth on high? It's a rhetorical question. There is nothing that can compare. There's not a God. There's not a government. There's not a person that can compare to him. But watch. The writer of the psalm says in verse 6, Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. From his loftiest throne in the heavens. The Bible says his, the, the, the uh, heavens are his throne. From his loftiest throne there, God himself looked down to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. He humbles himself. This verse is prophetic of something that maybe you have forgotten because I had forgotten it until I began to pray and study for this message. It's speaking of Jesus Christ who, as Philippians 2 says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can I tell you, when it says God looked down, it's not that arrogant sense of looking down his nose at somebody or in some rude way, but rather looking down and saying, the only way my people are going to be redeemed, the only way my people are going to be saved is if I become like them so that they can become like me. That's what it means when he looked down that's what it means when he humbled himself and somehow the 113th psalmist gets a glimpse of the future and sees God becoming flesh hallelujah hallelujah I was talking to somebody recently and they said I never realized how much of Jesus is really in the psalms and I said to him I said well I didn't either until I started studying them and preaching them but it's not just the Psalms, people. It's the entire Word of God. This entire book is all about Jesus. Hallelujah. It points to Him. It draws its conclusions from Him. Hallelujah. And just because we're on this side of the New Testament doesn't mean it doesn't reach back to or, or stem from Jesus. It still does, making Him the, the axis upon which the entire Bible spins itself. Hallelujah. God looked down. He became us so that we could become 
His righteousness. Praise God. I know this world is not getting any better. And it bothers me when I read or hear things. My spirit becomes twisted and conflicted at times. I know the days are getting more evil and evildoers are waxing worse. But I also know that the blood of Jesus Christ still forgives one who repents. I still know that when one repents, the angels rejoice. I still know that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I still know that when one repents, God cleanses him. And when one is baptized in his name, God remits their sins. And when one is available and open, God feels them. And they speak with other tongues as his spirit gives them the utterance. God looks down upon the the. the, the, the excuse me, the decay of our world. He looks down upon the sin of our world still today and still says, I'm able to save. I'm able to deliver. I'm able to heal. Hallelujah. You know, Martha, when Jesus came and said uh, that he was going to you know, come to be the resurrection and all this, and she said, I know on that day, and she had first had past tense faith, if you had been here. Mary did the same thing if you had been here. And when Jesus told him, said, roll the stone away, Martha said, Lord, he stinks. Roll it away anyway. I heard one preacher preach one time. He said, the stink won't stop Jesus. Can I tell you, the stink of this world won't stop Jesus. I know it gets ugly. I know it's bad. I know it's horrible. I know uh, politics are run amok. I know sin is paraded in front of us and, it's, and, and there's no morality anymore around us. Uh, but God can still save those people. God looks down. And, and, and can I just interject here that maybe he's looking for somebody to be Jesus to them. Maybe he's looking for somebody to be the word of God to them and shine the light. Maybe instead about us talking about how dark it is, maybe we need to let the light of Jesus radiate through us and change the atmosphere. Yeah. Hallelujah. God looks down. And the reason he looks down, and the reason he alone is the only one worthy of the highest praise is because God lifts us up. In 7, 8, and 9 of the psalm, it says, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Amen. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. That first verse, verse 7, he raiseth up the poor and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. I want you to think about that. I don't, I, I'm not trying to be crude, and, and neither is God in the Bible. But what he's trying to describe to you is the worst place, the skid row, the, the homeless shelter, the, the, the deepest, darkest hole, the addiction of sin, all of it, the dunghill, that place, that dust, flesh, that entirety of sin. God can raise somebody up out of that. And the next verse says, make him a prince. Can I tell you, he's still in the business of taking somebody that the world says is trash and taking somebody that the world says there's no hope and saying, oh, you haven't tried Jesus yet. He's the hope that does not disappoint. 
You heard the testimonies back in February through April of different ones that stood behind this sacred desk and testified that had it not been for the Lord Jesus, they'd be bound in their sin and addiction. But God found them in their dunghill. God found them in their dust and lifted them up. If that doesn't make Him worthy of the highest praise, I don't know what does. Oh, hallelujah. Old him used to just simply say, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Verse number 8. He set them... With, that he may set them with princes, even with the princes of the people. When I read that, God spoke to me and said, you're a royal priesthood. I'm like, oh my goodness. The, the prophetic element of this psalm just, just continued. In fact, listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says, verse 1. And you, everybody say me. me. And you, hath he quickened, that means made alive. You were in the dunghill. You were, <laughs> you were in the dust. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Satan had written you off. The world had written you off. And unfortunately, maybe some in the church had written you off. But God said, I can still work with it. There's still breath in those lungs. I can work with that soul. I can redeem them. I can bring them back from the pit they're in. Verse 2, wherein... In time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time. But notice that we all, ain't a one of us that, that, that is perfect. We all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, everybody say, but God. Who is rich in mercy. ha, ha, ha. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in our sins. When we didn't yet love him. In fact, when some of us hated him. In fact, when some of us never wanted to even know him. In fact, when some of us were cursing him. Amen. He loved us with a great love. And quickened us together with Christ. In other words, he set in motion our salvation before we even wanted it. By grace are you saved. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Watch this. And hath raised us up. Somebody say, he lifted me up. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, the reason that Jesus looks down is not to be judgmental, is not to be damning or condemning, but he looks down that he might lift you up. Amen. He's not looking down, blaming you, shaming you, guilting you. No, when he's looking down, it's because he's rolling up his sleeve. It's because he's coming down with you to say, I can pick you up. I can bring you up where I am. I can bring you to a place of cleansing. I can wash those sins in my blood and make them whiter than snow. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord. Glory. Furthermore, not only 
did God look down and humble himself. But he raised us up to be a royal priesthood. Verse 8, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Listen to what Peter said. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, everybody say me. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. Before you were a shack. Before you were a pup tent somewhere. Before you were homeless. Ah. But now, you're a spiritual house. And holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you, somebody say me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you too. And then turn back and say, yeah, it's you as well. Mm-hmm. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We all have the nature of, our, of the first Adam, which is sin. But we who are born again have traded our first nature for the nature of the last Adam. And now we have eternal life in us. God looked down as we looked up and he lifted us up. Somebody say glory. Verse 9 of Psalm 113 is also a prophecy related to the church, the true Israel of God. Verse 9, he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Paul talked about this in his writings, how that he compared it to Sarah who was barren and God miraculously opened her womb and gave her Isaac and compared that to the true church, the Jerusalem from above, the Israel of God. Amen. Isaiah also prophesied it in chapter 54 and listen to what he said. Sing O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. This is a direct prophecy through the prophet Isaiah to say that God was going to come to the church and create in her the Israel of God. And the church was going to have more children a greater harvest a greater abundance than Israel by herself in her uh, debauchery and in her idolatry amen can I tell you that's why he goes on to say enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation spare not lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and shall make the desolate cities to be inhabited. I feel the gift of prophecy on me right now and I speak it boldly. There's desolate cities all over this state. I prophesy an apostolic voice in those cities and counties. We prayed last night at the Capitol over every one of the 93 counties. I prophesy the word of God today that it's coming. It's coming. It's here. It's now. It's done. It's so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Verse 4, fear not, for thou shalt, you preached it Friday night, Brother Stoops, fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou be confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore, for thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. That's why he's worthy, because he's saying, I'm going to birth a church out of a people that were otherwise set aside. The, the Israel hated the Gentiles. They despised them. They despised the Samaritans. But all along, it was God's plan. All the way back before the law with Abraham, it was God's plan. And that plan came to pass. And when he died and forgave sin, it wasn't just for one nation. It wasn't just for one people. It just wasn't just for one time. It was for all. For John, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The superlative glory of God's amazing grace is revealed by His mercy to redeem a remnant of Israel. That's the natural branches. And to bring them back in. That's a remnant that he did. Romans 11 talks about this. But also to graft into that vine the unnatural branches. That's the Gentiles. And create in them one church. Ephesians 2 talks about that one church in him. But that's not where the story ends. You see, the superlative glory of God's amazing grace is revealed by his mercy to graft those branches into that vine and make his church the Israel of God. You see, God's church is bigger than a single building. It's bigger than a single congregation. It's bigger than a single denomination. It reaches from the jungles to the inner city. God's church is made up of every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, and is one in him and by him and through him. You can't measure God's mercy to his church no more than you can measure his church. It's why John the Revelator described the church as an innumerable host of people. The superlative glory of God's amazing grace is that there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. God is the greatest. His throne is the highest. And He is the kindest. And since He is the highest and the mightiest, I think He is worthy of the highest praise we can give. what would happen today if in about 15 minutes we got five more minutes here and 10 minute break I wonder what would happen is if you came back into the second half today with a spirit of expectation and highest praise now don't wait for the special chord to hit on the keyboard don't wait for your favorite song don't wait for the drum roll just immediately start giving him highest praise
If that's bowing before him, if that's laying prostrate, if that's leaping and dancing, if that's running the aisles, if that's jumping around, that's waving your hand, give him. David danced before the Lord with all his might. I wonder what God might do. I've seen God heal, deliver, and set free. I'm not saying we don't want the preacher to preach. We do. We want you to preach, man of God. But can, can you imagine if, if everything God told you he was going to do happened before you got to the pulpit? Wouldn't that be awesome? I've heard it said before, I believe with all my heart, God can do it more in five minutes than I can do in a lifetime. <laughs> Ten lifetimes. Thousand lifetimes. And if we'll give him the highest, I wonder what he'll give back to us. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Something special I want to do as we close this first half out. I'm asking for Brother Manuel and Jennifer to come if they would. They have moved here from California. And I spoke with their pastor. Is it Menendez? Did I say that right? Brother Menendez. And I had a good conversation with him. And he speaks highly of this family. And they have agreed. Go ahead, come right here in the middle. That way. They have agreed to make TCO their home church. They've visited some of the churches. They've prayed. And... And what I love about their spirit is they've done it the right way, meaning they've talked with their pastor there. They, they didn't just make it flippantly. It, was, it wasn't just a, a flippant decision. It was something they, they wanted for their own, their marriage, their children, their family, and they wanted it to be sanctioned by God. And so uh, the Bible talks about extending the right hand of fellowship, and in some sense, that's what we're doing here right now. And uh, I want you to get to know them Get to know their, their family. Let's connect with them. But we're going to pray over them and ask the Lord to anoint and bless them. And I believe God is going to put his hand upon them and, and what they feel that God has, has brought them here for. Amen. I was talking to Brother Manuel, and he said, you know, it's not just about coming and, and receiving, but, uh, you know, he served in his previous church, and Jennifer served in the previous church, and they're going to serve here as well as the Lord opens those doors. And so I want us to pray for them right now. Amen. If, if I could have a, uh, Pastor Jeremy, if you're here, would you come? Amen. Brother Stoops and pray with us. And I don't see Pastor Trevor. Amen. But all right. In Jesus name. But we're going to pray and we're going to lay hands upon them right now. And with the congregation, would you lift your hands forward and would you pray over them and their children today that God would bless them? Let's lay hands on them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, according to your word, we extend this right hand of fellowship and receive this couple, their family, their children, and we pray blessings on their marriage, their finances, their home. We pray blessings upon, Lord, all that they have done and are going to do and what you're calling them to do. I pray you would lead them and guide them into greater and deeper depths of your word. Use them for your glory and accomplish your purpose in them. Be with them. Direct their steps, honor them, bless them, keep them, and give your peace upon them. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a great big hand of praise? Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. So again, after the break, I want you to come back and give God your highest 
praise. God bless you. Let's take our break in Jesus' name.